niggas, niggas. See, I've been telling y'all ass this shit. Ooh, would you hear this? You can't turn it off. You can't turn it off because this mother. He ooh, let me. Ooh, let me. Ooh. Controls poetry to a satanic cat funeral and a musical score composed by Manson family member and murderer Bobby Beausoleil. Let's look more closely at that Christmas tree ritual. <clears throat> why a tree? And why in particular an evergreen? Like everything, the Christmas tree ritual is grounded in time and place. In this case, the Germanic lands of Northern Europe and the ancient Yule traditions that arose there. Evergreens grew in abundance. And the most important thing climate-wise was the long, cold, dark winter. Amid freezing temperatures, and deep snow, pines in their kin stayed green. It made them special, even magical. They were a potent symbol of Earth's continuing vitality amid the season of death. The Yule rituals also marked the passing of the winter solstice, the shortest and darkest day of the year. Along with the other solstice and equinoxes and the cross-quarter midpoints, it's one of the eight cardinal points on the occult calendar. The Christmas tree that you might bring into your house and decorate represents the vital power of nature, which has sustained you through the past year and hopefully will do so during the coming winter. From an occult perspective, a symbol is more than mere representation. It's an embodiment, a stand-in. The Christmas or Yule tree is a stand-in for the god or goddess of nature. In some traditions, the god must ritually die each winter to be reborn come spring. Niggas. Ha <laughs> ha! Did you hear that shit? No, no, no. No, no. 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 You. So, so what you telling me is the god, the god of the Bible is okay. He's okay with you putting a Christmas tree. That represents a stand-in of the god of nature, nigga? The death of a god of nature. <sighs> Technically. Because you're celebrating his death. True facts. Because <sighs> he has to die. In order to be reborn. Again. Come on with in it. In the spring. Ooh. In the beginning. Now you see why they... Niggas. <laughs> Ooh. You see what they get? Ooh. Mm. Because everything dies in winter. Uh, what was it? <sighs> did you? You ain't heard it, did you? But that's why they choose an evergreen. It's okay. It's, it's, it, it's okay. Because cause you didn't heard it now, niggas. You can't unhear what you didn't heard. And the fertility of the earth is reborn with him. The anointed tree, thus, becomes an altar to this deity. And Wait. Did it say the tree becomes an altar to the god? Well, yeah, because you decorate Ooh. it and you give it presents. <laughs> right? Father! <laughs> Niggas, you can't hear it! The presents placed around it are symbolic offerings to be blessed and dispersed to others. Yeah. Ah! Ooh! See? See, niggas? See? See this? Oh, it's mimicking what? Well, Sacrificing to an altar and then feasting on the food. Oh, my God. Didn't I tell your ass Christmas was one of the wickedest goddamn hot? But the ritual is more than paying homage and giving thanks. What is the magical intent? What do you wish for? Peace? Happiness? Good fortune? Or just not to starve? Dutch writer and researcher Tony Van Retterhem sees something even more ancient. According to Arentikim, the strands of lights transform the evergreen into a stand-in for the primordial lightning-struck fire tree. And that, in turn, represents humankind's first and most important gift, fire. The thing that separated us from the beasts and the source of all future invention. But what does the light represent to the occultist or to the Satanist? That Lucifer, the light bringer, gave them knowledge. Enlightenment. Enlightenment. 
that's it. Oh, no, niggas. You can't get away from this one. Who's on the top of the tree. But I suspect a few of you have thought about Christmas trees. Um, yeah. That would be the... Because it's either an angel or a star. And a star? A northern star. And you, what star is that one? The northern star? The star The star of... that shines the brightest? The leading... The, uh... The um the guiding light. What's his name? What's his name? Oh, his name is uh, Saturn. Yeah. Or Satan. Phosphorus in the Greek term. What was it? Um. So. Uh. Wait. Hold on. Hold on. This way. So, if you're unaware of the ritual, can it really be a ritual? And what if it's an artificial tree? Does that count? As to the first question, a lack of conscious awareness doesn't rule out the unconscious. Woo! What was it? Just because you don't know, niggas, doesn't take away from the ritual. The ritual is still performed. It's still a performance of the... Oh, my God. Knowing or unknowing, the ritual is still being done. What was it? Hang on to that idea. We'll return to it later. As for fake trees, well, the important thing is the symbolism. Yeah. If a metal or plastic tree plays the same symbolic role as a natural one, then it's the same. <sighs> That's not what I do it for. I do it because I, because the kids, because the kids. Doesn't it's all that matters. Father. Change the intention. Father. Father, help for. us. Help us today. Because cause we don't even get it. It's a stand-in. If maybe just a little tacky. The occult symbolism of the Yule season isn't limited to trees. Okay. Take that personification of modern Xmas set. Oh, Father. Father God in heaven. Keep talking to your children. Because we gonna remove all they goddamn stumbling blocks, niggas. Because modern Santa, especially the American, is a creation of 20th century advertising. But as a symbol, he's much older. Tony Van Renterhem, in his 1995 book, When Santa Was a Shaman, argues that Santa Claus is the evolution of the prehistoric shaman, or... At a deeper level, the god of nature himself. Oh, and come on. Van Rinterhem bases this theory on an analysis of the Santa figure, Sinterklaas, mm -hmm. in his native Holland, yep. who became the namesake and rough template for the American version. Sinterklaas yes. isn't exactly a jolly embodiment of holiday cheer. It's not. He brings gifts, but can also bring punishment, punishment. To the point of kidnapping bad children and carrying them off to some awful fate. The Dutch Santa leaves most of the dirty work to his diminutive sidekick, Svarte Piet, or Black Piet, a kind of goblin That's the familiar. person that they wear Van Rensselaer mm -hmm. finds other clues to Santa Claus's identity in his identification with the Christian Saint Nicholas. He notes that Nick derives from the old Dutch word Nieker, which meant devil or water spirit. Hell no, you lied. It meant fucking black. But I can see where the term came from. Nicker. I see. The same thing crops up in English, in which Satan was often referred to as Old Nick. Even Klaus, or Klaus, mm -hmm. has devilish origins, as seen in German folk figures such as Clavis and Klaus Boyer. And then there's Krampus. the Alpine Krampus, or Grampus, the hairy, horned Christmas devil who terrorizes the environment of black children and is pretty much an unvarnished and terrifying portrayal of Pan. Van Rutherham even suggests a connection between Santa and the so-called witch cult. And as someone is bound to note... <laughs> see? 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 Okay, I'm done. I'm done. With some of the letters in Santa... And, well, you get Satan. You already know it. Well, probably. No. But where the occult is concerned, there are no coincidences. At least not. There are no coincidences. 
There are no coincidences. No, Meaningless ones. The American Santa really gets his start in an 1823 poem by Clement Moore, A Visit from St. Nicholas, better known as The Night Before Christmas. Taking inspiration from Dutch folk tales in his native New York, Moore refers to St. Nick as an elf. Oh, come on now, Father! Doesn't he look elf-like, though? Come on now. Hmm. Would that be your elf on the shelf? But remember, the same garden gnomes niggas be having in their yard. I already told you the garden gnomes were put in the yard in order to be a protective... Would they put that one on a mantle? Spirit or not? Dressed in fur from head to toe. The poet also gives him reindeer as opposed to the more traditional white horse. But let's not talk about Saturn that drove his chariot across the sky and his deer. And more Santa seems a jolly sort. But when newspaper cartoonist Thomas Nast illustrated him some 40 years later, Nast did so as a grumpy looking fur clad gnome. Nast might have been influenced by remembered tales of Krampus or other Christmas devils from his German childhood. Christmas what? Christmas devils. Because the true Saint Nick wasn't the always dumb. also does away with Black Pete or his like, though he still comes across as vaguely menacing. Not only is Santa able to enter your house while you're asleep, but he also keeps a list of who's naughty or nice. And the naughty do face punishment, though at worst they'll get no presents as opposed to being sacked up and sold to the Turks. Another ritual that found its way into American tradition was leaving out cookies or other goodies for Santa. Come on, Father God in heaven, niggas. The same thing has been done for centuries to appease household spirits and fairies. Yes. To appease what now? Household spirits. And what? Fairies. Oh, shit, niggas. The modern American Santa Claus was born in 1931 when the Coca-Cola Company commissioned artist Haddon Sunbloom to come up with a cheerful, full-sized, white-bearded, coke-swilling... So they had a softening of the demon. Yes, during the 30s. Jolly fat man with rosy cheeks. During the 30s. Mm-hmm. When they were trying to get y'all ass to celebrate Christmas in the beginning. Because nobody celebrated the shit really. And they started with your kids. It's always, these folks always start introducing bullshit with your kids. Like now. Ain't y'all. Whom we know and love today. Coca-Cola was also attracted to the fact that Santa's traditional colors of red and white matched its corporate colors. Come on. And what about those colors? Do they have an occult significance? Yes, the fuck they do. <laughs> you don't even know there's a there's an occult aspect to colorism. Of course it is. We we so we so un. This is why we it. This is this is it. We love ignorance, and we get mad when motherfuckers shed light, cause that means we have to change something. But we don't want to change shit. We want to keep doing what we want to do, and get mad when somebody educates your ass, cause that means you confronted with something. God ain't in the that God ain't in the makings of playing with nobody right about now. Not goddamn. Shit. According to some researchers into psychedelic drugs, yes. In Northern yes. Europe and elsewhere, red and white are associated with the Amanita muscaria mushroom, which mushroom. features a bright red cap adorned with white dots. Oh, those are the poisonous Amanita mushrooms. Yes. Those are the poisonous powerful mushrooms. psychoactive compounds. The psychedelic, the psychedelic mushrooms that, that they was doing in the 60s. Mm-hmm. In the occult sense, they open the mind to larger let me tell you how um let me tell you how dangerous um propaganda is because I've been seeing the mushrooms and cartoons since we were kids. Oh yes, they're all over. 
you don't understand how they fuck with your psyche and push drugs when we don't even really realize that shit. Those are the those are the poisonous mushrooms that get your ass high. They either have those or they have them without the dots. Yeah, same ones, same things though. Mm-hmm. Worlds. Since time immemorial, shamans and others have ingested these mushrooms yes. in search of visions and enlightenment. The- uh, remember when I told y'all ass that's what mushrooms. This is why they push drugs. Because it's the easy way for spirits to inhabit your ass. Y'all thought I was just fucking around, didn't you? Here she go trying to trying to keep us from having fun. She know we like to get high. You wanna get high? I wanna get high. We gonna get high together. Come on, let's get high. <laughs> Man, these people be fucking us up. And we don't mind it. No, we just give them all the tools we want. We just don't give a fuck. And they keep... They don't. <sighs> man. Government especially don't. <laughs> man, man. One, one day we gonna wake the fuck up. No, we won't. No, we won't. We already know. We already know that we won't. Father, I hate, I hate, I hate saying stuff like this. I really wish we could. I really wish we could fucking get our shit together. But I already know. Because you already said a third of our ass going to make it out of here. And then it's only going to be a third of our ass to survive the wilderness again. Can you imagine already? That he already said only a third of us will be able to make it out of where we are right now. And I I can understand that. Because you can't tell niggas shit. We don't want to hear shit. We want to do what the fuck we want. We want to live our best life. Nigga, I saw a video today, and it was of a young 20-some-year-old man. You know what this nigga said? He said, all these women today act like men. They want to be, be like men. He said, but they want to be treated like princesses. Yeah, I see what I'm saying. He said, hey, whole energy is masculine. Yes, it is. He said, I ain't trying to date a man. But you see what they done done to y'all daughters? They not only masculinized them, but they took them to a whole nother level of masculinity. We was masculine at one point, but now we're so motherfucking masculine. We out here acting like whole men's in the streets, sleeping around, talking stupid and uncool. Realizing that? Nigga, no. Masculine and oppressive. Yes, women are being very oppressive. But they say men do that. <laughs> yeah, I'll get out there in these streets and get you one of them masculine women. Go and get one. They're worse. Get you one. Than men through the years. There you go again. You being judgmental. No, I'm stating fucking facts. Yeah, you go this... again generalizing. It's too much to see, goddamn. It's too much. Like it's. I can understand if it's a small number of people that I'm like, okay, I'm generalizing. But it's niggas. I, I'm not generalizing. I'm really not. No. It's a real problem. We call it an epidemic. <laughs> Amanita also contains chemicals that can make the user violently ill. To avoid that, Arctic shamans took to force feeding the mushrooms to reindeer. The reindeer's liver and kidneys filtered out the toxins and concentrated the good psychoactive substances in their urine. Which the shaman. Oh, motherfucking nasty. It's called reindeer juice. I knew it. I freaking knew it. They were getting weird. Mm-mm. I heard this shit this morning. I swear to God. Reindeer someone, juice. Someone was, no. I, someone was talking about how they were making weed or something. And they was drinking the piss. Uh-huh. I, I heard now, this that. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Niggas. <sighs> Drinking reindeer piss. They used to drink it back then. They probably be Here. putting that shit on your weed. You don't even know, goddamn. Actually, they were drinking their own. Santa Claus' yes, association with red and white and reindeers might be another of those pesky coincidences. Or maybe it's just another symbolic reminder of his origins and nature. 
Let's turn now from American Christmas to Arabia and Islam and to the elaborate ritual known as the Hajj. This pilgrimage to Mecca is something that every devout Muslim is supposed to perform at least once in his or her lifetime. Each year, millions of people go to great effort and expense to do just that. The pilgrimage has to take place during a specific period of time, mm -hmm. roughly a single week in the last month of the Islamic lunar calendar. Next, you have to prepare with a thorough ritual cleansing. Strip off your regular clothes and don a special oh, white know. seamless garment. The garment denotes humility and simplicity. No one's robe is more fancy than any other. That signifies the equality of all before God. Then it's time to enter the holy precinct of the great mosque or Masjid al-Haram. The first stop is the Holy of Holies, the Kaaba, a cube-shaped building in the middle of a large courtyard. Let's not forget about this Kabbalah shit now, goddamn. And that and that cube. It just hit me just now. You didn't get that? No, 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 no. No, I was talking about something else. The Kaaba song? We were talking about the mushroom. It just hit me just now. What? The cow. The red heifer. Mm-hmm. With the spots. Mm-hmm. Why theirs keep having spots? Yeah, man, it just it just hit me. Because that's not the homeland. Yeah, I'm saying because of the red mushroom, but they also got the red hamper. Yeah, it's everywhere but there. But that's not the place. That's why it never I goes. Pilgrims circle it counterclockwise seven times, no more, no less. The eastern corner of the Kaaba holds the black stone. The Smashed, desecrated, and stolen at various points in history, the black stone is today a collection of rocks held together in a cement matrix. But it still the carries the same importance. Exactly. If possible, each pilgrim should kiss the stone, but pointing at it a number of times will suffice. What's the significance of the stone? We'll come back to that. Next, you go to the nearby hillocks of Marwa and Safa and walk back and forth between them seven times. Mm -hmm. Not six or eight, but seven. Then it's off to the holy well of Zamzam. This is followed by a trip to Mount Arafat, where the Prophet Muhammad gave his last sermon, and where pilgrims spend the day praying for forgiveness. After that, it's on to the plain of Muzdalifa, and more prayers of praise. You know, I get this from our... Yeah. Okay. They walked around Jericho. At Musalifa, the pilgrims scoop up some pebbles, which are used to pelt the remains they of did. three ancient pillars. Seven times. Oh, no. That, Finally comes the sacrifice. It, but that was Jericho, not for our purpose of yeah, ritualistic. Uh -huh. yeah, but that was for the, the, the walls to come tumbling down. Yes, exactly. I know. <laughs> uh, well, the circular, the, actually, it reminded me, is more connected to me to um, them circulating the, 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 the um, statue um, that Nebuchadnezzar had because it's the same area or the same attachment the, to. That too with the statue? That's where I got it from because they shout, sing. And it came down. And and worship they circulated in in um, every 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 three hours or every hour, the like the call the call to prayer, the horn does the thing that they do and it reminded me exactly of that Babylonian um ritual. Yeah, it's exactly the same ritual um that you see with the with um with Nebuchadnezzar. When I first heard them talk about the the Kaaba stone, yeah. And when you hear God saying that we will worship other gods, wood and stone, that's the stone. Yes, it is. I know. And the wood is the cross. Yes, I'm aware. Of an animal, almost always a sheep, with a proviso that two-thirds of its meat must be given to the poor. In the old days, everyone was supposed to kill their own sheep. Today, it's mostly done by paying a local slaughterhouse. So they do the same thing. Yes. The voucher. So... So it's like a combination of a couple of our feast yeah. days in one day. Mm -hmm. 
Interesting indeed. Past comes a beard trimming for men and hair trimming for women. Then it's back to the regular world. I chose the Hajj as an example of ritual, not only because it has so many parts, but also because they're all loaded with significance. To an outsider, it would all look pretty much like a lot of people walking in circles or wandering from place to place, kissing rocks and killing sheep. But maybe the most interesting thing about the ritual is that much of it predates Islam. Yeah, see? The Kaaba is said to mark the spot where Adam built the first altar to God and later rebuilt by Abraham. Before Muhammad booted paganism from Mecca in 630 Common Era, the Kaaba served as a temple for some 360 idols and holy objects. So how could you make... Including a portrait of Mary. So how could you make that profane thing a connection to the God of all gods? Because he would never take it. No, he wouldn't. And everything they have comes from our traditions. So if it's... It's not in Torah. Nope. But everything from them come from us. God would never. He said he, that's a profane thing to him. Mm-hmm. So how could something that was orchestrated or elevated to other gods be something you dedicate to him? No. 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 Never take that. Uh-uh. Jesus. But the Cabo's most important object of veneration was that black stone. People had long journeyed to Mecca to circle it and kiss it. Yes. Exactly why isn't clear. That's the occult part. One theory is that its mystical significance lies in it being a meteorite. Yes. That's never been proven. Another story is that it Because they take it out of there. ...as a gift from God to Adam and that its once snow-white appearance has turned black from the accumulated sins of Adam's progeny. No. Yet another tale... That goes back to the racism of of, of the Islamic people yes. today. ...was that Muhammad himself placed the stone in the Kaaba years before he became a prophet. Really, nobody knows. There's no mention of it in the Quran. No. I think all of this attests that the stone has some occult significance that is acknowledged without perhaps being consciously understood. Just like a Christmas tree. Note that the stone is circumambulated exactly. I suppose the, seven it's the, the story is the Babylonian story. Or it takes it back to, the, to Babylon, I think, to, to it being a meteorite that it fell from the sky. It's been there that long. And that's the story behind the stone itself. Is that it fell from the sky. So that's why they say that it's a meteorite. Because the the ancients talked about the stone coming or falling from the sky. Yeah, but it's just a meteorite. I mean, in essence, from the Christian perspective, they said that he beheld Satan falling from the, from the sky. Okay. Oh, significance. You find a rock. The three pillars... <laughs> that pilgrims ritually stone represent the devil. Racing back and forth between Marwa and Safa emulates the desperate search for water by Abraham's wife, Hajar, a search that is fulfilled Hagar. when merciful Allah sent the angel Gabriel to reveal the well of Zamzam. The animal sacrifice is simply the Arab version of the biblical story of Abraham and Isaac with Abraham's other son, Ishmael, as the would-be mm-hmm. sacrificial victim. Mm. It's both an acknowledgement of God's power and his mercy. Thus, it's an acknowledgement of occult power. The unfortunate sheep is just the same substitute, stand-in, or scapegoat found in so many sacrificial rituals. Now let's head to a different part of the world in a different time. The American West during the late 19th century. It's fair to say that the previous 400 years was a collective disaster for Native Americans. Their lands were lost, their numbers decimated, and much of their way of life destroyed. Armed resistance proved ineffective and increasingly suicidal. This is where the rain dance the starts. The only hope was some kind of miracle, the intervention of powers from the unseen world. In 1869, in the wilds of northern Nevada, a Paiute shaman named Wodziwob began having visions. 
He foresaw natural cataclysms that would kill the whites or make them vanish. More than that, all the native dead would return, many of them riding a miraculous giant train out of the east. Traditional life would be restored, and everyone would live forever in peace. What's that sounds problem? like... Now, why would he say the train? Tell me that. The train? Yes. Will be attached to something. That's because them trains been here longer than what we told. Of course they have. The railroads, yeah. It'll be coming from the east. And where's the la- and where's the land we supposed to have it? Or the supposed Yerusalem will be west, right? So we'll be coming from the east to the west, right? Okay. Didn't they tell you? Because he didn't spread far and he died a few years later. But the prophecy did spark a ritual dubbed the ghost dance. That's when they started doing the dance. Performing a simple circle dance, sometimes for days, participants would enter a trance state. In that state, the dancers focus their intention on manifesting the prophecy and resurrection of the dead. That's where the Africans get that dance. In other words, as good old Alistair Crowley would put it, they were Mm -hmm. trying to cause change Mm -hmm. to occur in conformity with will. The ghost dance caught on among the neighboring Modoc tribe, which used it during its fight with the U.S. Army. And at first, the ritual seemed to work. A Modoc band, encouraged by its shaman, held on... Listen, it wasn't the first... They've been using the dance to, to, for warfare for the longest time. Yeah, it's right there. Same way you see it. Um, the, um, what's the people in the, in the um, Pacific Islanders? The Hakka? Yeah, when they do that dance, mm-hmm. the warfare dance. Yep. They've been doing warfare dances for the longest time. Mm-hmm. For months against an army siege, though the tribe's ultimate fate was defeat and deportation. The ghost dance cropped up again 20 years later, again among the Paiute. This time, it spread all the way to the Dakotas and the yeah, Lakota the Lakota yes. drop. Along with a few new twists. The Sioux. Warriors donned shirts supposedly imbued with the magical power to resist bullets, perhaps influenced by Mormon rituals involving protected garments. In December 1890, the ghost dance gained adherence among the Sioux of the Pine Ridge Reservation. Talk of bulletproof shirts, resurrected dead, and disappearing whites spooked army officials, and a decision was made to disarm the Sioux. The result was the Wounded Knee Massacre, which took the lives of nearly 300 Sioux and some 30 soldiers. Did the natives' magic fail, or was it simply counteracted by the whites' magical intention of making them all disappear? Now, let's head to Germany. Ah, oh, shit! In September 1934, Adolf Hitler headlined a huge Nazi party he rally did. in the historic city of Nuremberg. Do you know the same thing right here? Do you see that? The um, you see that thing in the back? Obama had that stage built when his second year in um in office, his inauguration. Yeah, that same stage right there. Really now? Yeah, they call it the stage of um, um, it goes back to the stage of uh Satan or or the throne of Satan. That same stage right there. Watch, you're going to see it when they get up on it. Watch when they get up on it. Some 150,000 uniformed troops. It combined the spectacle of a military parade with the drama of Wagnerian opera and the religious fervor of a revival or witch burning. And it was all put on film. If you've ever seen snippets of a Nazi propaganda film with Hitler in full rant, you've probably seen this one. Directed by actress-turned-director Leni Riefenstahl, the extravaganza was titled Triumph of the Will. Think about that. It's a virtual declaration of magical intent. And because it was filmed, millions could participate vicariously and add their will to the mix. The rally ritual was a of the Nazi struggle for power, the establishment of the regime in 1933, and the victory over internal party treason just a few months before. 
There were torchlight parades and new flags that were consecrated by touching old ones covered in the blood of fallen brown shirts, and everything swam in the occult symbolism of swastikas and SS runes. The Nuremberg ritual was also meant to herald and energize all that was to come, bloodletting and destruction on an almost unimaginable scale, industrial sacrifice. The Nazis were just getting started. Hmm. Nuremberg brings us back to something I mentioned earlier, conscious versus unconscious ritual. Hmm. Among those taking an interest in what was... I guess that's the thing. We, you actually have to think about it when you're dealing with this. Because it's it's a it's a conscious, meaning you know it, right? Versus unconscious, meaning you're unaware of it, but still subconsciously you're partaking in the ritual without knowing it, because it is conscious and subconscious. But you're still performing. The pr- the practice of whatever it's attached to, you can't remove. The roots don't change. The, you you can't change the roots of what the ritual is. It is impossible for you to uh, justify it, and I think that's the thing: is our ignorance gets us in trouble. Yeah, I can say I got a dirty mouth all day long. You got a dirty mouth. You be speaking ills on us. We got to learn. That's our problem. We don't want to. Ignorance will get us in trouble. It's ignorance. It's ignorance. We got to stop. We got to stop playing and be very, very serious about the actions we make and understand the propensity of that. Stop being vigilant and paying attention. Happening in Germany was psychoanalyst Carl Jung. Oh, shit. Along with Sigmund Freud and Alfred Adler, Jung is considered one of the big... All the heavy hitters of psychology, yeah, huh? I know him. I did my... Them, the, them, the master father ears of terse. My assignment on him. Call you. Young ain't no joke, man. You mostly determine... Listen. Uh, dream interpretation and... Uh, Alfred Adder, self. right? And I mentioned him earlier. Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung. Carl Jung was... The three grandfathers of psychology. It's three grandfathers of psychology, but Carl Jung was the master occultist of the three. Oh yes, I'm very aware. He's the one that did the um dream work. Mm, um, the, theosophy. Um, you know the chair thing. Oh yeah, the empty chair. Mm-hmm. You you want to talk about the empty chair? Do you goddamn father? I know that's where the empty chair came from. Was a this Listen, where the empty chair came from was he used to have dialogues and conversations with his dad. But he found resolution in communicating with his dead father in the damn chair. No, his mother. It was his... No, his father too. He was talking to his dead father. Young was talking to his dead father. Yeah, but it started with his mother. His, his mother died first. His father was a preacher. So because of his father, he went into spiritualism. Well, the story is he went to to he was going to school to be a a a a, a he went to um the, uh, the, the theolo- he went to theology school. Yes, Young did. He did. Young went to theology school. He was um one of the few that did, but the he rest of them, but the but the rest of them were psychology. the the rest of them were Jews. Well, they were crypto Jews because they they practice in hiding, but um Christian openly. He was one of those kids. He was bullied. <laughs> That's why. Three <laughs> of modern psychiatry. You can't be bullied. And his name is commonly connected to something called the collective unconscious. unconscious. Well, yep. We Jordan talked about Freud that. He studied that. that. The human psyche was rooted in the unconscious. Mm-hmm. Freud viewed this as fundamentally personal and sexual. 
Well, Jung argued for a kind of group mind populated by archetypes. archetypes. Yep. Mm -hmm. These archetypes were basically understood and expressed as symbols, a kind of uh -huh. unspoken occult language. We went over this before. Awareness. He delved into alchemy, astrology, mm -hmm. numerology, spiritualism, and probably ritual magic. In 1913, Jung used drugs to induce a vision in which he saw himself ritually initiated into the ancient mysteries of Mithra. He did. Oh, no. Pause, niggas. Pause. Yes, he did. Nick, listen. If you go look up Mithra, you'll find Jesus there because Mithra looks exactly like Jesus. It makes me think of Egypt. I ain't even learned. <laughs> I ain't even learned. And some of the Christian practices come from Mithra cults. Sounds like Mithra. Egypt. Mm. A lot of that shit come from Egypt. No doubt. Um, the Mithras was over in Egypt, nigga, in a way. That was during the time of uh, when the Greeks had inhabited Egypt. Before Egypt was called Egypt. Your baptisms come from the Mithra cults. And, and guess what else come from the myth of Croats? The drinking of the blood and the cracker. That's myth raid too. Y'all think I'm joking. Pay attention. Symbolism of alchemy was an expression of unconscious archetypes. In much the same way, he thought that a person who took part in a ritual without conscious awareness of what he or she was doing could still be participating on the unconscious level. I did. <laughs> the about the unconscious the mind. Consciously or unconsciously, were manipulating symbolic archetypes for their own purposes. According to one of Jung's former students, Gerhard Denelius, oh, yeah. Jung believed that Hitler was effectively possessed by Wotan, the archetypal god of war and destruction, I know Wotan. and that the Nuremberg ritual was nothing less than a ritual evoking Photon's spirit. Nor was Jung the only one to see an organic connection between the human psyche and the occult. In his later years, English occultist Alistair Crowley regarded himself as a psychoanalyst as well as a magician. While rituals can and do influence the fates of religions, peoples, and nations, they also exist in everyday life, usually in such mundane ways that we barely notice them. For instance, Ever have a lucky shirt or hat or anything? Are you persnickety about how certain objects are arranged? The sequence or time in which certain things are done? Or even whether your shoes face the bed when you go to sleep or face away? What others, even you, might dismiss as personal quirks can be personal rituals. For instance, that lucky shirt, what does it mean? Well, you associate wearing it with some positive event or outcome and by wearing the same thing again, you'll hopefully ensure the same result. It's modeling what you want to manifest, like winning a football game. And speaking of sports, something as simple as high school football is loaded with occult symbolism and ritual. First, there are the team mascots, usually some fierce animal or human archetype. I told you! Vikings or pirates. <laughs> Then there's the pep rally, yes. where a shaman-like figure in mascot costume and a bevy of dancing virgins or cheerleaders leads the assembled multitude in ritual chants yeah, that are designed listen. to focus intent and manifest victory. victory. And the shaman and the dancers continue to perform during the game to keep the map. Listen, school spirit. Y'all thought I was joking. <laughs> Listen. Dancing virgins. That that makes sense. It's a whole thing. Oh my god. They do have their favorite jerseys, their favorite cleats and all that. My god, my god. See? Lucky items. I told you. I told y'all. The things that you're so unaware of and the wickedness 
of the way they present it to make it look so innocent. Why would it? Most of us don't even grab. Listen. We truly, we truly really don't understand how wicked this society we live in is. Because it looks so fucking innocent. You didn't realize how um, occultic psychology is. Um, I, I, I like I be trying to tell y'all stuff, and I be trying to shed awareness. But you know the thing about us is, some of us will hear this, right? And one percent of the folks that hear what I'm saying or hear what they heard today, really gonna comprehend it and gonna say, "Damn, that is like wow," and really make a change. But the rest of the people are going to justify everything. Because seriously, i done a lesson on this two years ago when we did the lesson on Christmas. Mm -hmm. And when we did a lesson on Thanksgiving. And we talked about the goddess Fortuna. And I surmised the same rituals they use for football games and basketball games as part of a satanic or occultic ritual. And this brother right here is edifying the same lesson that I told so many years ago. And I had a whole dialogue with a couple of people about it. Who's that basketball player again? I mean, not, not basketball. Levon, uh, uh, LeBron James. What's LeBron? He's the one who did the occultic ritual in in the, the um the with video, the right? yeah with the video in the middle of the of the um basketball uh-huh. fortune where he put the pentagram on the ground and put yeah. the candles down there and came out naked right. and everybody was talking about that shit. Right. Yes. With the kids and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so. And right before, listen, let me tell you how God don't fuck around. Let's not talk about the video that that um LeBron James did out about the 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 black snake. Right? That that's the same year that nigga died. No. Or the next year, Kobe Bryant. With the snake? Yes, when he did that that video about oh, the, the black mamba yes the year the year right before it was either the year that nigga died or it was the year before he died where he did that cartoon I mean that whole thing where he gave him his whole like everything listen y'all can keep fucking around with God if you want to that was a that was either the team the, he started with his daughter right I don't know what the, the team black mamba. Is that the name of the team? That's the name of the team, Black Mamas. Ooh, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. He was promoting the team with that commercial. It was a whole, like, thing where he was teaching the kids to channel their inner... Yes, that was the Black Mamas. Yes. Oh, God. Man, and, and if you I think ever... that was, like, a month before he died? I don't know if it was... A, I don't know if it's the same year. Because the team was new. Yeah, Brand I don't know if, if it was the same year or... The year before he died, I don't remember. I know it was, it was around like, the same time. No, it was like a couple of months before he died. That video came yeah. out, I think. Listen, we was in we was in Montgomery. I don't remember that video. Goddamn, we was in my room watching that shit, and I was like, "This shit is straight crazy." Yeah, because he was doing like a ritual with the kids. It was a ritual he was doing uh-huh. with the kids. Even the music sound like like the music was eerie. The whole video rub you the wrong way, goddamn. But listen, and that's the thing about it is, listen, you can't escape from God's wrath. You really can't. They tell you something different in Christianity, but a nigga, that ain't the Old Testament. Y'all got a whole nother God in New Testament. attached a whole new book to the to the Bible when God told nobody not to add to. See, now the add to, no take away from. I had never 
knew it was in the old, in the Old Testament. Because the only place I ever saw it was in the New Testament. When I seen it in the Old Testament, that's when it solidified. Like a whole lot of shit was solidified for me reading Torah. Because when God told, told Moses straight up, don't add to nor take away from, the New Testament represent that. Me and my mom had a long, I ain't talked to her ass in a couple of days. <laughs> we had a long ass battle on that. Because people can't comprehend it. He said, don't add to nor take away from. That means if the New Testament is there, that's adding to it. That's adding to. That's New Testament means that's add to. That's a problem. Because that wasn't there. Deuteronomy 13 told you if your brother, anybody say, here, take this, this and more. He said, uh-uh. Don't take it. But I guess that's why some people don't care for the prophets. Because in their mind, it means no add to or take away from. But that's not adding to. Because if you paid attention to what's spoken in the Torah, it solidifies it right there. But they did both, though. They added the New Testament. They took away the Old Testament. Well, that's what they... they well, they said the Old Testament is no longer valid. Yeah, exactly. They took it away. This is something completely exactly. new. That's why they call it that. Exactly. They did both. <laughs> I tell you what. With all of the destruction I've seen this week, niggas got down... San Diego damn near tore up. Holes all over the... Flooded, I mean, they yeah. literally... Not only was it flooded, but they also had major sinkholes all over the town. Oh, all on the East Coast, goddamn. I, I mean, like, the whole pieces and chunks of land being washed into the goddamn sea. Let me tell y'all, y'all gonna keep fucking around, goddamn. Now, I know they playing with the motherfucking weather, but God still allows it. Uh, at the end of the day, y'all going to stop playing with him. This ain't the time to be fucking around. You messing with the magnetics. Who going to preserve you? How you going to be protected? Because some shit going down. And this shit going down for these niggas. Because all these niggas is rallying behind Trump. Nigga got down. That nigga get in office, nigga. He cutting the whole government off. Wherever y'all thought y'all had, y'all ain't gonna have no more. Choose this day. Choose this day. Good God Almighty, girl. Good God Almighty. Go energy at fever pitch. I'll conclude with a ritual of a different sort. The 2016 inauguration uh, ceremony for the St. Gotthard Base Tunnel in Switzerland. Yes. Dubbed the Sacco del Gotardo, the consecration of the Gotard, it's a highly choreographed piece of performance art featuring 600 dancers, actors, and acrobats delivered before an audience of select commoners and assorted Swiss and European dignitaries. As the name suggests, it's quite clearly a ritual, progressing through a series of elaborate scenes. To call much of the imagery mystifying or creepy is an understatement. It was What appear to be earth spirits, ghosts, and witches abound. But the star of the show, so to speak, is a shaggy horned pan figure yeah, who cavorts around in bacchanalian frenzy. Given that the ceremony was said to celebrate alpine culture and myths, the dancing devil is pretty clearly a version of Krampus, or one of those shamanic proto-Santas. And this returns us full circle to Yule and the hidden rituals and magical trees. At bottom, that's what the occult is. A circle of symbols and rituals and actions and intentions that never ends. Mostly in plain sight, if you know what to look for. Nope, he said in plain sight, goddamn. Meaning, these are ritualistic practices that they incorporate in your everyday life. Whether you know it or not. And the knowledge of the fact that whether or not you know it, you're still performing the ritual and partaking in it. So you are still exposed to it. (sighs) You're exposing yourself to it. Consciously or unconsciously. That's why I said this is some shit that should make you mad. Because I, I'm like, I, I feel like it's stuff that's been going on that we've been dealing with for a long time. 
that people taught us to do that is incorrect that we should be pissed off at. It should it should make you so angry. It should make you so angry. Seriously. Because to have someone have you do something wicked without your knowledge. But you have been cohorsed into doing it. I feel like it's the most disrespectful thing someone can do to you. And they have no regard for your eternal soul. Period. And their agenda is to hide and deceive. And you wonder why Malcolm X called folks devils, niggas. That's what that means. A devil just means deceiver. One who deceives. That's it. And we've been dealing with deception for so long that we don't even know what to do with it when we face with it. We're so ignorant to the fact what he said. You've been saying it for years to get the people to sin. To incline to do evil. Let not the sin, let not sinful inclination hold sway over you. Anything that causes you to incline to do what is wrong or incorrect, amoral. We had to learn. That's why he said, even your thoughts. Even your thoughts. Even your thoughts. <laughs> oh, I said fool. So the thought of it also is still sinning. We 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 embrace even the most wickedest things now. We 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 have, listen. Remember that movie we was watching? Which one? The one with the demon. Oh, Nefarious? Did y'all go watch this movie called Nefarious? It is, it is a, um, hold on, let me see if I can pull that up. I might, I might have the, um, video clip before we get off. Cause that was some real serious shit. That movie was really interesting. It was one of the most interesting goddamn movies I've done seen. To some truth to it. (laughs) Nefarious. Let's see if I can find that one scene. It never pulls anything up for me. All of us against the law. Well, you know, if that's the case, your side's not doing too well. Do you really believe that, James? never been freer literacy is at an all-time high we're working to eliminate racism intolerance gender inequality people can people can love who they want be who they want do what they want diversity is no longer a dream hate speech is no longer tolerated and politically we're reclaiming the moral high ground james i think i love you James, James, the average high school graduate reads at a sixth grade level. You have basketball players making thirty million a year decrying racism, all while wearing sneakers made from slave labor. Now here's something for you. Right now, your world currently has forty million slaves, more than the Romans had at the height of their empire. You want to know the best part, though? Half of those, half, are sex slaves, James. As for hate speech, well, you want to hear some irony? We didn't even come up with that one. You did it all by yourself. 
you amaze even us. I tell the city humor. <laughs> Bottom line is you're done. It's over, that's it. And we did it all right to your face, James. And now there's evil everywhere. And no one even cares. Yeah, I don't I don't agree. Proving that we achieved our goal. Slowly, with your movies, your TV, and your media. We desensitized you. Redirected your worldview to the point that you can't even recognize evil when it's right in front of your face. More to the point, James, you can't even feel it when you're doing it. This doesn't scare me, James. Nigga. I'll just close on that point. Because real shit. Real shit. Oh my God, that shit gonna go over so many people's head, my nigga. Oh man. Man. Desensitized you to the point that you don't even know evil when you're doing it. Oh, nigga. <laughs> Father God. Ooh. Yeah, some powerful shit right there. That's real. My God. My God. Whew. Yeah. Whew. Man. My God. That shit still fucked me up when I hear it. Man, y'all, man. Man. Wow. You know what? It reminds me of a, that one scripture. Um, let me let me find it real quick and then I'm gonna get off. Oh my god. Let's see if it if I have it right here. I think that was something I was working on anyway. Is it yes? Yeah. Um This is Amos chapter 5. It says, Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your vows. But let judgment run down as waters and righteousness as mighty streams. Have ye offered unto me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness forty years, O Israel? O house of Israel. But ye have borne from beginning to end the tabernacles of your Molech. And Cayenne, your images, the star of your Elohim. That's the same star you put on top of the, the Christmas tree. Actually, no, the star of Molex is the six-pointed star. They call the star of David. And the star on the Christmas tree is the star of, what's her name? Mm-hmm. Um, Ishtar. Isn't that the same thing? No, the six-pointed star is the star of David. The one the Jews use, that's their God. That's the six-pointed star. The star of Molech. The star of Ishtar is the one with the circle and the star in the middle. Which he made to yourselves. Therefore, I will cause you to go into captivity beyond Damascus, says Yehoah, whose name is Elohai Savaot. The things our forefathers did was so wicked. All of the things that the white people tricked us into doing 
has everything to do with the same things our forefathers were doing. When he said, make us like the nations, let us be like the nations. We want to be like the nations. So God said, since you want to be like the nations, go live amongst the nations and carry on in the practices that the nations practice. Do you understand the power behind that? This is what you want to do? Go ahead. But while you're doing what the other nations do, you're going to be a miserable people. Because you think this is what's good for you. So go ahead and do it. (sighs) Yeah. I pray that you have the spirit of our forefather Abraham for Yehoah I live and for Yehoah I'll die. Blessed be the name of Yehoah. May you live forever. Bless his name for he's worthy. Yeah, no. It's time to stop playing, y'all. It's time to get serious. How long do you want to stay in the same place you're in? Because you better know that another food plant that caught on fire and blew up in Texas last week. A food plant? Yes. One of the distribution companies that distribute food like it did right around the same time during COVID. It was a whole bunch of them that went blown up during the time of COVID. Yep. Another one of the major ones. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The way the rain is going right now. Man, y'all listen, listen. (sighs) Y'all don't realize how many... um, Farms China own too, y'all. Which is which the regulations that the government have ain't that great. Food production is on the low. It's gonna get more higher this year, watch. Food's gonna get higher. Um, the next thing is I heard the stock markets is destabilizing in some sense. If y'all ain't, y'all better go and get y'all some crypto, niggas. Every time I get, every time I can, I'm gonna keep pouring my money into crypto. Because slowly by slowly, the banks are converting their funds over to digital dollars. Um, I'm done. Much love and respect. Peace.